Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. If, uh, if no one has done this for you yet, let me be the first to wish you a very merry fifth day of Christmas. <laughs> and you know what that means, don't you? Does anybody know what that means? Five gold rings. Sing it with me. Four calling birds, three Frenchins, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Very good. Yeah, give yourselves a... You know, it never really caught on in, in America, but... The Capital C Church, the global church all around the world, first celebrates Advent, and then they celebrate Christmas for 12 days starting on Christmas Day. I think we need to revive that personally, <laughs> you know? Um, all those, those gifts over those course of days, I mean, it's, 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 it expands the celebration of Jesus. And as Kyler told us, you know, earlier, it's not until January the 6th um, on what, what some, some nations celebrate as uh, King's Day. Um, some nations celebrate as Epiphany. But it's, it's that, that full arrival, if you would. The full revelation uh, of the Lord Jesus. And uh, he, was, he was made known to those, those shepherds in Bethlehem, the, the Jews. But he was also made known at Christmas to the Gentiles. It, it, it was a, a, an awakening, this, this, this great epiphany. And that's what the 12 days of Christmas are about. I know sometimes I think people think it's the 12 days before Christmas. It's not. It's the 12 days of celebrating after Christmas. And uh, it, it actually is a very, very beautiful celebration. Now, I know that there are others of you in the room that are thinking right now, I'm already exhausted. I am tired. So the thought of 12 more days of, of this pace, you know, um, you just, you, you think, oh my, can't do that. And so I want to commend you for, for, for being here today. Um, there's a part of me that just wants you to, you know, give yourself a... A, a round of applause. Just, just you know, you're, you're here today. You made it. You know, you, you, yeah, you, you did that. And um, you celebrate it with family and friends. And I really do pray that you had a, just an incredible celebration of, of the Lord. You know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those who agrees with that humorist. I can't remember his name. But he said that next to a circus, there ain't nothing that packs up and tears out quicker than the spirit of Christmas. You know, there are, uh, have you noticed that, that there are just some people that all throughout the year, 300 and, you know, 60, maybe 62, 63 days a year, they are the rudest people in the world. And then, you know, a few days at Christmas, they, they just become nice. And then there are those people who seem like they're the, you know, the, the, some of the selfiest people in the world, selfish, se- there's this word, selfishist. Is that a word? That's why I couldn't say it. These really selfish people, we'll go with that. These really selfish people that, um, you know, suddenly become generous for a few days in, in December. Uh, and that transformation can be astounding how quickly it goes back. You know, it just doesn't seem to stick. And uh, so before we kind of 
put Christmas in our rearview mirrors, I thought uh, I'd like for us to make just three more stops um, along the way, really on the day after Christmas. And I, I do this to, with the hopes that we'll be able to fully capture that gift that God gave that first Christmas that we've been talking so much about. And so this morning I want to start in our look back at Christmas. I want to start with thinking about what the day after Christmas looked like for the shepherds. I want, we're going to do that kind of the day after Christmas experience that different ones had. And so if you have your worksheets out, you may want to pull them out. I do want to make a correction. Um, it wasn't the one printing it. It was the one creating it that blew it. Um, this is supposed to say at the top on the lots of question marks, you need to put day in there before of. You know, on the blank day of Christmas. That was the, that was the title of the message. Um, because we're going to see, uh, hopefully, that it doesn't make any difference uh, what day we're talking about. And so, if you got your Bibles open, and I hope you do, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, you may want to grab your worksheet. Uh, and we're going to look at just a couple of different parts in the aftermath of the Christmas story. And I think the story is familiar enough that we can just kind of jump into the middle. So, we're going to pick up uh, in Luke's uh, account, his telling of the story in Luke chapter 2 we're going to pick up in verse 15 and this is right after the angels have have declared to the shepherds uh, the the birth of the Messiah and so verse 15 uh, in in Luke chapter 2 reads uh, as follows when the angels went away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us that's an important part to be captured by. That they would, the Lord made this known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you can imagine, but I want to ask you to do that. Just kind of imagine the day after for the shepherds. And the Bible says that they had, they had seen the baby Jesus and immediately their response to that was to spread that. They, they couldn't keep it quiet. Now, my wife might amen what I'm about to say, but I have a hard time keeping a secret. Um... And so at Christmas, it's just, it's horrible for me. I, I want to tell people what we got them before we give it. You know, I, I just, and sometimes I think Kathy thinks I'm not even going to tell him what we got him. We're just going to give it to him and he'll be surprised too because, yeah, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to blow it. You know, I, I work real hard sometimes when we go see a movie not to spoil it for you um, because I, I just, I want you to be excited. And I, I'm grateful to say I'm a little bit like the shepherd. They, they couldn't keep their mouth shut either. You know, they, 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 they had this gift and they, they wanted to tell everybody about, about this gift. So they told everyone because the, they were joyous. It was great news, you know. And the first thing that they had to do was wrap their minds around the fact that they, these blue-collar shepherds, kind of the bottom end of the socioeconomic climate of that day they were the first to receive the new excuse me the news of the Lord's birth 
And that in itself is absolutely incredible to them. You know, God, they, they knew this. God could have engineered it that he would have gone to the political leaders of the day first so that he could kind of stroke their egos, you know, uh, making them feel like, you know, he needed them to get the word out. Or maybe God could have gone first to the media because, you know, told them to do kind of a blitzkrieg on, on getting everything out, contacting the Jerusalem Post or the, you know, Bethlehem Gazette to make sure that everybody would, would get the word about about the birth of God but no God God chose he chose to do it this way I don't know if you've ever wondered why shepherds were the ones entrusted with the good news of the birth of this spotless lamb maybe if you think about it that way you'll understand it you know the birth of, of Messiah and the Bible tells us that they praise God for the opportunity they praise God that they were the ones to welcome the Messiah. You know, the, the way that God arranged the unusual circumstances of his birth, the place the baby was born, all of those allow shepherds to feel really, really comfortable with those surroundings. They wouldn't be out of place in, in an event like that. But they had to scratch their heads, I imagine, and wonder why, why would God choose this place? A place like this for his son to be born. Why, why would he do that? And I love that the Bible, right out of the gate, begins pointing out a picture of praise. Just pure praise. And so, this is what the shepherds do. The shepherds just praise God. They're just so excited about that. You know, they weren't afraid to participate in worship. Sometimes we get a little, you know, we, we hold back. They, 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 weren't, they weren't afraid to participate. They just, they just blew it out on praise. They, you know, they, they just praised the Lord. If you look back in your Bibles at verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And there are two things that come to mind real quickly that I see Luke 2 telling us that they were praising God for. They were praising God, first of all, that they were the ones God told them. That they, they got included in this narrative that God thought of them. And secondly, I think Luke 2 teaches us that the shepherds praised God for God's truthfulness. That every detail that God had spoken through the angels came true. The Messiah's birth came. You know, he's, he's now on the scene. It had, been, it had been foretold for hundreds of years and the angels came to them and they found Mary and Joseph, just as the angel said. They found the baby, just as the... Everything was as God had, had promised. And so, that's, that's the shepherds. That's their kind of Christmas day after experience. So, what about, what about Mary and Joseph? What, can you imagine what the day after Christmas would be like for, for Mary and Joseph? What, it, what did it feel like to them? C could you imagine just the transitional time that they're going through now as new parents? The, the questions that I imagined they had uh, that had just kind of loomed large in their minds. Remember, now for months, they had probably had self-doubt. Questions like, was that really an angel? Did, did, we, did, did we dream that? Was it like a, a joint hallucination? What, what, did, did, we, you know, did we eat bad mushrooms or something like that? What, what, what was going on? Maybe they weren't completely able to separate it. And they may have gone back and forth in their minds. I, I don't know. But then Jesus is born and shepherds show up. And, you know, everything that God had promised is being confirmed for them in their lives. 
It happened just the way it was told it would. And it wasn't just something, you know, that, that they imagined. It all really happened. Now, if you've ever been a new parent, you know how quickly the reality of that responsibility begins to sink in. It does it very quickly. You know, and with this baby, there, were, there weren't any pampers. You know, there were no wet wipes. Uh, it was just them. A mom, a dad, and a baby. And they just had to get used to this new, new life that they had and, and dive in. If you look at, back at your, your Bibles in verse 19 of Luke chapter 2, it's kind of wedged into the, the narrative of the shepherds. It says this about Mary. But Mary treasured all these things up, pondering them in her heart. One of my favorite authors that I love his writings uh, is a guy by the name of Max Lucado. And one of his very first books that he wrote was a little book called God Came Near. I highly commend it. It's a great way to kind of read it as a daily devotional, if you would, through December. But in, in his book, um, there, there's a section that he's entitled, 25 Questions for Mary. And so when you read that verse about Mary pondering, Mary having things rolling around in her mind, these are some of the thing, questions that uh, Mr. Locato said he would love to ask Mary after she had raised Jesus completely. Just some questions, some things to ponder. First of all, did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? Uh, here's another one. Did he ever come home with a black eye? How did he act when he got his first haircut? Did the thought ever occur to you that God to whom you were praying was asleep under your own roof? Did you ever see him have a distant look on his face as if he were listening to somebody you couldn't hear? Did you ever... Uh, I've already read that one. I'm not going to read that one again. Oh, here, here's a different one. Um, when he saw a lamb being led to slaughter... Did he act differently than the other kids? And, and this was one of my favorites. Did you ever think, that's God eating my soup? <laughs> just, just these questions, pondering questions, things that would have gone on in Mary's heart. You know, and as she was bringing up Messiah, her and Joseph, there must have been a great deal to ponder. You know, I imagine there were probably other questions like, when is he going to set himself up as king? Is he going to do it, you know, when he's five, when he's seven, when he's 14? What, what, what's what's going to happen? What, what will he actually look like when he kind of proclaims his messiahship? You know, I, I, I know he's messiah now, but what, what is it going to really look like when everything comes into fulfillment? And when will we finally get to the day when people will realize I wasn't crazy? And that Joseph and I had been honest when we said we had saved ourselves until we were married. When, when, when will that happen? And I just imagine, you know, that pondering list could go on. But the day after Christmas, reality set in. And there's no turning back. This, this was the course that God had chartered for Mary and Joseph. And some of you will recall earlier in the Christmas narrative, Luke recorded in Luke chapter 1, Mary saying this, let it be to me according to your word. She just said, God, what you said, make it so. I, I, I want this to happen this way. And we know that Mary and Joseph, they followed God's will. 
And they, they raised that child who later went on to save them, to bring them salvation. Now there's, there's kind of a third area that I want us to consider um, in the aftermath of Christmas. One more stop here. And uh, I, I want to, I, I hope this kind of personalizes things a little bit. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about what the day after Christmas is like for you. What's the day after Christmas like for us? Because we all, we all celebrated differently. We all experience it differently. We, we could probably land in different categories of celebrating. For some of you, Christmas this year was, was a very difficult experience. And you could not wait for December 26th to get here. You, you just couldn't wait. And maybe this year it's because, I, I don't know, maybe there was... Uh, a separation in your marriage. Maybe, maybe there was the death of a loved one. Maybe, maybe it was downsizing at work. Maybe, maybe financially things weren't as good as they had been in other years and you had wanted to be more generous and you couldn't. It was that empty seat at the table this year. And to be totally honest, some people just look more forward to the 26th than to the 25th. And I want to say to you, if that's, if that's true for you, it's understandable. And maybe what you need to hear today is this, way to go. Way to go. You, you, you made it through. God, God brought you through. And you've got this one under your belt. And it should feel a bit like an accomplishment. I was asking Kathy about helping me get... I, I, I don't do well with time sequencing. I can't keep secrets and I don't do timing well either. So just know that about me. But I was asking Kathy about this last night because I was thinking about the sequence of a couple of events. I, I remember when our house changed when both our kids left. Um, Caitlin got married um, and then shortly after that uh, Taylor uh, went off to play soldier, you know. And, um, and so our house got empty for Christmas and it was like what do we do with ourselves now, you know? So it was kind of weird. And then two years after that, uh, shortly before Thanksgiving, uh, my mom went home to be with the Lord after her battle with cancer. And then that was different, you know? Uh, she wasn't there for Thanksgiving. And I, I remember thinking, God, you gotta, you gotta get us through Thanksgiving. You gotta, and it was mostly for my dad. You gotta, you gotta help us get through this, God. It wasn't like, how can we celebrate? It was get, get through it. And then just about the time we got on the other side of Thanksgiving, you know, there's this great big month of December that was suddenly looming. And that experience was, you know, a little bit overwhelming. And it was the first Christmas that I was lead pastor here and there were new kind of pressures. And, and, and it was really like, I remember thinking, God, get me through this. Instead of being able to, to embrace it. And so... I understand for those who that their experience has been just just get me through and it's okay and Jesus understands Jesus knows your sorrow and God sustains you and maybe now the transition has come and you're ready to kind of turn things around and you just need to know Jesus and you are good He's okay with your struggle, that. 
But there, there's a second group of us, uh, among us, for whom Christmas was actually a season that we enjoyed and it was fun and it was festive and it was crazy. It was a great time with family and, and friends. And then when it finally got here, you know, about 10 o'clock that night, you went, Whew. You know, you just breathed a sigh of relief and you were so grateful for all of it, but now you're kind of grateful that it's behind. And, uh, you know, you just, it's, it's almost like I can put it in my rearview mirror and I don't have to think about it again until next year. And then there's this third group. And it's this group that, you know, you love the holidays, you sense it, you, you get excited about it. But then, and, and Kyler talked about this earlier if you were in here, the 26th hits... And it's like, ugh, you know, we got, we got to take this stuff down. The 26th kind of is like a downer day for you, you know. And, and you begin, th you've been anticipating with, with such great fervor, you've been so excited. And then you begin thinking about how many trips you made up into the attic to get this stuff out. And what was I thinking? You know, you're, you're, that's where you're at. And then you realize you've got to make at least that many trips back up in the attic. You know, if, if not more because you've probably got more stuff. You know, what were you thinking? You know, and the, the thought of disassembling. Oh, by the way. We are, we are undecking the, the halls, Literally. At, at River Bluff after this service. So if you can stay around and help. I just got thumbs up from Lynn. I remembered. She didn't even. I told Lynn. I said every now and then the message. Just do this. To remind me that I'm supposed to say something. And everybody will think you're having a spasm. But it'll be okay. The, um, but w w we would love for you to stay. If you can help us undeck the halls. The more the merrier. And we'll get it done a whole lot quicker. Who's running that show? Somebody's running that show? Okay, we'll appoint you. You're, you're in charge now. No, just, we're we're going to do that a, a, after the service. But there, there's some people for, for whom taking those things down, the, turn, the green and red disappearing kind of creates a grayness. And, and you look out and you realize that there's this dullness that you're returning to that you call life and it may feel uninventful and you start dreading getting back into that grind after after the new year well if that's you I want to I want to ask you something does, does it have to be that way I mean, does, do, you have to, do you have to face the aftermath of Christmas that way? Because that kind of way of life, that kind of philosophy of life really flies in the face of what God inspired the, the Apostle Paul to write. He wrote in Colossians chapter 4, he wrote these words. He says, be wise in the way you act towards those who are not believers. Make good use of every opportunity you have. Make everything that comes after Christmas, make good use of that. And Paul is trying to tell us and help us understand that the life of a Jesus follower should never look like the life of merely getting by. It shouldn't be, you know, that grumbling just pressing on. We need to be those who are coming into every new day and fleshing out what it means for others to have the opportunity to have life in Jesus. To have their past forgiven and wiped out and erased and a whole new future awaiting them like we do. 
That's what Paul says. We need to, we need to get up in the morning about it. That's, that's what Christmas is about. This great adventure after, after Christmas. After that day. And that's what we had hoped for could happen in the month of December. Many of you invited friends to come to Christmas Eve. And I want to say if they came with you, you need, to, you need to be sensitive to them afterwards. If you start hearing them say things like, that was good for me. God's doing something there. You, you need to be attuned to that because it means they're, they're in tune. Something, God is at work doing something in them. And so we need to step into that. Paul reminded the church at Ephesus. He said, look carefully then at how you walk. You need to do that now. You need to even pay more attention to your own personal walk with the Lord. Why? Because we know this. It's our saying around here. Your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk talks more than your talk talks. It's harder for me to say slow. You know, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. We need to embrace it. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying we do this. We walk not as unwise, but as wise making... Making the best use of time because the days are evil. There's, there's evil in this world and we need to press into it. And here's, here's what I want you to see. It doesn't matter if it's December 24th or 25th or 26th. It doesn't matter if it's July the 4th or July the 5th. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, your birthday or the day after your birthday. It, it, those things make the most. Make the most of every opportunity. Live, live life fully. Decide you're going to be faithful in this because God is still God even if you kind of get back into the routine. Even if you, you move back into what may feel like mundane moments. Jesus is still Lord even on the days that it's not his birthday. He's, he's still, still the Lord. Now, the truth is most all of us are drawn to things like Christmas holidays and, and Easter. There's just something that we're drawn to in that. We're drawn to other special holidays. But this is one of the places that I just want to give you a, a little bit of warning that for, for, for Christ followers um, th that it, it becomes about the events. Those big things. And we start thinking that's what, that's what the Christian life is like. That we, you know, we give our life to the Lord in one giant sweeping motion. And we, we come and say, you know, I'm yours, Lord. You know, I, take me, use me. I, I want to I burn out in a blaze of glory for you, Jesus. And I think we, we, we misunderstand. We, we think our life, we think our life is like a $10,000 bill. And we just bring it and we, we give it to, to, to the Lord and say, here you go. Here, I'm all in. You know, take, take it all. When, when really, the Christian life is more like a $10,000 bill that we take to a bank in exchange for nickels. And every day, in lots of ways, we're making investments. We're, making, we're, we're, we're pouring out our life. A little bit at a time. We're surrendering it a little bit each day. A nickel here, a nickel there, a, 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 a lunch encounter here, a prayer there. We're just, we're a, a shoulder that we hug on, a, a cold cup of water that we give. We're just ways that we serve. I, I was, I got, I got an email this week from a lady in our church who uh, was, was thanking, was thanking you was thanking our church for having a website where 
our sermons exist because she had a friend that is just struggling. And about three years ago, God used a, a couple of messages in her life to pull her through some dark times. And so she's been taking her friend there. Back to God's word that way. And, you know, I, I was thinking about everything that goes on to make... I mean, it sounds so simple. There's a message on a website. But there are people who run the cameras, like they're doing right now. And there are people who are running sound. And there, there are people who produce that later. And there are people who put it on our web and manage. And there's so many people that are doing, that are involved in what that happens. And I just want to, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who serve behind the scenes in some way to make ministry here possible. And you just, you understand that you're pouring out your life a little bit at a time for the Lord. You're, you're serving Jesus and it's, it's with gratitude. And, and Jesus said it this way. He said, if anyone would come after me, in, in, in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone would come after me, here's what you got to do. You got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. And I kind of wondered this week, what, what, what could God do? What would God do if we weren't afraid to turn our lives over to him every day like that, expending ourselves that way? You know, I, I think so often when we, you know, we, we get really excited about our faith sometimes and we say, God, I'm, I'm all in. Let's, let's get this party started. I want to give you my whole life, God. And I think, I, I think what God often says is, I, I, whole life, I got that. You know, I, I want to I get your whole life. But how about let's start here. How about allow my spirit living in you to start transforming you? And, and how, what if we do this? What if we start with your words? What if we start with the way you talk to your kids or your spouse? Or maybe, maybe, yeah, I, I want your whole life, sure, but let, let me start with the way you treat your coworkers. Or the way you drive. Ugh. Or, or maybe, you know, let me start with the way you handle your money. And better yet, let me start with the way you handle my money, God says. Or, or maybe, maybe what I need to start with is, is transforming your courage so that you will boldly kind of get your shepherd on and, and, and be willing to tell people about me and what I'm doing in your life. I don't know who said it first, but I agree with it. And I heard this recently again that our generation is crying out for something more, something, something higher, something, something beyond this world. Because people are tired of just kind of waking up in the morning, you know, and walking out the door and seeking how they can just advance their agenda. They're, they're, they're wanting the day to make, they want to get to the end of the day and realize it was worth dying for. I did something that mattered. People want to give their lives to that. And the way to do that is engagement with the God of the universe. A.W. Tozer said something that I loved. He said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. If you want to see impossible things done in your life, know that God can do those through you. Here's... 
one of the ways that that, that happens, I, I want to I kind of pull this into three applications as we kind of head towards closing. And, and it's this. Here's the first application that I think of out of Luke chapter 2 for us to experience that kind of life is this. We have to come to understand that we follow Jesus more in the everydays than in the holidays. We have got to see ourselves as followers of Jesus in the everyday kind of, see the majority of our Christian experience is in the everyday existence. It's just, that's where it's at. Christmas is not something we, we switch on for a day or two and then we turn it off. You know, now I, I get this. I really do. I, I knew going in. I, I realized that the majority of people in this room today are, are the backbone of this church. You're, you're, you're the cream of the crop. You're the core of the committed. I understand that. And it's in this mindset that, I, that I'm saying this. We, the, we, those of us who have received the best gift ever, which, are, which is Jesus, that, that very best gift ever, we're to live out the Christmas story Every day. We're to live that out every day. Day in, day out, no matter our circumstances. Now, uh, I grant it, every last one of us is still this work in progress. And that God is molding and shaping each of us into his image a little bit differently. But this is what Paul said to the church at Philippi. He said, I'm confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you, he'll perfect it. Until the day of Christ Jesus. See, God, God has done something in you. You wouldn't be here today if he hasn't. God has done something in you. And he wants to do more. And he's going to be faithful to complete it. He's continuing. So keep walking with him. Even when it feels mundane. Maybe even when it feels frustrating. Keep, keep walking with him. And it leads to kind of a second application from Luke 2 that I see. And it's this. Followers of Jesus... We need to function in faithfulness and consistency. Those are marks of maturity. Faithfulness and consistency should mark the life of the believer. The Bible tells us that the shepherds went out from that day. They were never the same again. They, they just told the story. Day in and day out. They, 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 encountered, they had this encounter with God and they start sharing. Mary and Joseph would never ever be the same. They would, they would continue day in and day out. To support and parent this child. Making, making whatever life adjustments they needed to make for, for, for Jesus. You know, it wasn't just Christmas Day where faithfulness and consistency happened. It, it was a way of life for them. They came to just continually serve. Paul writes to his brothers and sisters at the church at Corinth. And he says this. As servants of Christ, our first duty is to be faithful to the one we work for. We're, we're, we're to be faithful. So what does that look like? I love what Chris DeWelt says. He's a professor of missions at, at Ozark Christian College. He put it like this. He said, I'm to be the same person when I'm holding a remote or a communion tray. I'm to be the same person whether I'm in a hotel room by myself, thousands of miles away from my family or in my family room with my kids on my lap. I'm to be the same person when I'm searching my Bible or surfing the internet. I'm to be the same person when I'm in the break room at work or in the Bible study class at church. I'm, I'm to be the same person. He goes on to say, for what matters is my integrity, my purity, my consistency, my faithfulness. 
And Dr. DeWelt was right. That's really part of the challenge of Christmas. The writer of Hebrews says, there should be a consistency that runs through us all. Why? Why should there be a consistency running through us? He tells us, because Jesus doesn't change. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, he's always totally himself. He's, he's unchanging. Now you and I both know that there will be times that you'll be tempted to kind of throw in the towel on pursuing that. There'll be days when you're just, you know, I just want to encourage you, don't be hasty. Don't, don't throw the towel in too quickly. Continue to look for opportunities to let your light shine because they will. Some of you heard this saying from Chuck Swindoll. I love it. It says, when the wrappings and ribbons are in the trash can and the manger scene is back in the attic and the friends and family have said goodbye and the house feels empty and so do you, there is one who waits to fill your heart and renew your hope. Just by the way, that's Jesus. And he was there on December 24th and he'll be there on December 26th and he'll be there on... March the 15th, and he'll be, th he'll be there. He, he, he'll be there. Here's the last application that I want to make, and it's this. We need to get a shepherd on, okay? T turn to the person next to you and say, I think you need to get your shepherd on. Just go ahead. Tell the person next to you, you need to get your shepherd on. As followers of Jesus... We need to imitate the shepherds. We need to make Jesus known. We need to get a shepherd on. You know, that's what we need to do. That's what they did. They went out and told. They made Jesus known. You know, it, it only stands to reason that if Jesus really is your Savior, if he really is the one who saved your life, you'd want somebody to meet him. You'd want somebody to know him. If he really is your Lord, you'd want others to know about it. The composer Schubert said, what I possess in my heart is what I will share with the world. It's a true statement. What, what, what owns your heart is what's going to come out. And one of the ways, brothers and sisters, if you find yourself constantly nagged by questions of doubt in your life, one of the great ways to know for certain that Jesus is alive in you is you're compelled to tell others. And you follow through in that. You, you just have this compulsion. You know, if Jesus Christ really is the Lord of your life, if he is the one that when we sing, oh, come let us adore him, you're adoring him, then it's something that shouldn't be just relegated to holidays. It ought to be 24-7, 365, man. That ought to be what it's like. You, you can't keep it to yourself. You're going to want to tell other people about it. Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said, For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. So get your shepherd on. Spread, spread the good news. I don't know for certain, but I, I see many of the same faces I saw in some of our Christmas Eve services. And, you know, if you were here, you know, we talked about the five qualities. What, what really makes a, a gift great? And we, we said that a great gift would have thought and, you know, it would have time, would have gone into it. 
Uh, we, we said a great gift would strike a personal chord with the one receiving it. We said that a great gift would actually enhance the relationship between the giver and the recipient. We talked about how many great gifts involve some type of sacrifice on the giver's part. We said, you know, it'd kind of be like icing on the cake if that gift also had kind of a dynamic name. Well, this past Thursday, I was up here and I was pulling my notes out of this notebook um, from the Christmas Eve service. And as I was pulling them out, uh, a, a thought came. And it was the sixth great quality of a great gift. And uh, it's kind of like, Lord, why'd you wait till then? You know, why Thursday after Christmas Eve? And, uh, but here, here it was. It was this. A great gift, a, a really great gift... Is something you don't already have. A great gift is something that you already don't have. And it's one of the reasons that Jesus is the best gift ever. Because only in Jesus, in, in Jesus alone, have you and I been provided something that no one else or nothing else could give us. You know, there, there's, we, we, we talked at Christmas Eve service just about, about his name. His name simply means that he came to save. He came to save his people from sin. That's what, that's what Jesus came to do. And that reminded me of that Christmas poem. You, you may have even gotten a card this year. We usually get, get one. Don't, don't stop. It's a, it's a great card. Um, I encourage you to keep sending it. Uh, it's actually a quote, quote from a guy named Roy Lesson. And it says this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an, econo an economist. I'll get that word out. But that wasn't our greatest need. Our greatest need was forgiveness. Our greatest need was we're trapped by sin. So God sent a savior. One who could pull us out of. Out from under the penalty. And out from under the power of sin. We desperately needed a savior. And so God on that first Christmas sent. His only begotten son. Because that was something you didn't already have. You did not already have a Savior. God's Word tells us, For I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you, un, unto you, uh, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. His name, his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come in that name. The name that your word tells us is above, above every other name. Jesus. And your son coming to earth is huge and it doesn't matter whether it's the day of or the day before or the day after or if it's the 365th day after we thank you for the gift of Jesus we thank you that Jesus is always faithful to us we thank you that Jesus is always consistent that he is the same yesterday, today, and, and will be forever. 
So we ask you, God, to help us model our lives after you. And Father, I pray if there's one here today who, who's never really received that gift of Jesus fully. Maybe have heard about it, maybe grew up in church, but never really opened the gift of Jesus personally. I pray today that they would see him for who he is. The one that can pull them out from under the penalty and the power of sin. Lord, we come now to give you worship. We come to give back our worship. We come just like those shepherds did. We come praising that you would consider us worthy to know Jesus, to see Jesus, to have Jesus. We come to praise you, God, because everything you said is true. So, God, I pray that in these next moments we would truly get our shepherd on that we would praise you we would praise you through our giving giving back to you your tithes worshiping you through giving offering that we would celebrate your goodness Jesus God I pray that you will help us make Christmas every day in the days that lie ahead let the joy of Christ indwelling us the word that was made flesh live vibrantly out of each of us. We recommit ourselves afresh to that. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.